Dive in, dig deeper, explore the word, preach the gospel, glorify God. All of these are things you will find in the PMC podcast. Join myself, Josh Schwartz-Trooper, and my co-host, Nate Raber, as we look at our latest sermons, hear testimonies of those in the faith, and dive into the Word of God to see what it has for us. Each week on the PMC Podcast, our goal is to help you in your walk with the Lord. We are all on this journey together and are not meant to walk alone. So get out your Bible, find a comfy place to sit, and join us for this week's episode. All right, welcome to the PMC Podcast. I'm Josh Schwartzentrooper, joined here by Nate Raber, and we're here to dive into the Word, see what God has for us in that. And uh, Nate, we'll go ahead and just quickly, we're recording on our Chromebook today, so we only get 30 minutes, so maybe our viewers will actually enjoy that. They're looking forward to that, yeah. So so that means we just got to be efficient in what we say. So um, we'll go ahead and start with... um, What's God been showing you in, uh, in your personal state? So I'll let you go first today. I took the thunder last time, but I'll let you go first today. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm reading a book, and I'm sure you probably knew this was coming, but <laughs> the book I was texting you about, I started a new book. It's called the, the Disciplines of a Godly Man. And I got about eight pages in, and, I mean, it, it, it just kicked you in the, in the gut. Mm-hmm. I mean, every every chapter every page seemed like there was something that it just made you want to throw the book away yeah uh, and and so last night the first first part of the book is kind of talking about relationships mm-hmm. and and the disciplines in relationship so obviously talk about marriage and fatherhood and and you know, being intentional with those but the one chapter that i read yesterday was the the discipline of friendship mm. and it, it talked about us as men Oftentimes we have a harder time developing friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're more competitive and we're more kind of isolationary uh, than women. Women, you know, bond over sharing things. Mm-hmm. And men kind of bond over experiences and events. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, it talked about how this is a biblical command um, to have friends to be able to uh, share experiences with, share life with. Um, stay accountable with mm-hmm. and talked about the friendship between David and Jonathan and how mm-hmm. those guys were super good friends. And, and when, when Jonathan <clears throat> was killed, I mean, David's Psalm that he wrote was just this outpouring of just sorrow for, for the loss of his friend. Uh, and then it, it talked about Jesus having, having 12 friends, but he had that inner circle of, mm-hmm. of three. Uh, it talked about Paul and Timothy, you know, they, those guys were really good friends. Mm-hmm. And so it just, you know, it hit me that, that it seems kind of optional as men to have friends. I mean, it, yeah. everybody, you know, as men, we, we were friends with people that we, we work with or we go to church with. But, but a lot of times it's hard for men to have those deep connecting friendships. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me, you know, today we did our podcast and, and, and I consider you you pretty deep friend and it, yep. and, you know, it encouraged me that, that I have someone like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, looking back on my life previous, you know, it, I always did have those friends, but, but it's hard to connect to people that I don't live around anymore. Right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. in high school, I had a good group of friends in college, I had a good group of friends, but it's hard for me to stay in connection with those or stay in contact with those that I don't really, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not around on yeah. a daily basis. And so it kind of convicted me to try to maintain those friendships. Those won't obviously be as deep and, and, and meaningful as those that, that uh, with the people that I'm around, but mm-hmm. so it was, it was encouraging and it was convicting at the same time. Um, and that was just one of a, that was a minor chapter, I guess. Yeah. In that book. So if you, if you, if you're a man and, and are looking for a book to try to kind of convict you and spur you forward, it talked a lot about, you know, discipline is, is hard work. Um, Paul talks about, you know, laboring together and, mm-hmm. and, and he uses the Greek word, which basically means like when he uses the word labor, it means to like work out naked, like unencumbered. Like you have to, you have to lay everything aside for, yeah. like, for Olympic athletes, basically uh, in, in Rome at that time, like they, they trained naked because they didn't want anything else getting in their yeah, way. Right. And that's the same word Paul uses. So, you know, there, there's work in the Christian life. And I think a lot of times we forget that we, we oftentimes focus on, the grace or the let go and let God I'm saved. So, yeah. you know, his grace is just going to pour on me. <clears throat> and the author made a really good point. This, this is a, this is a religion of, of work, mm-hmm. not in the sense what you have to work in order to be, create, saved. be saved, get salvation, go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But in a sense that I am saved now, I now I'm called to, to better, um, better my life you know the, your your famous little saying um not perfection oh performance. yeah god doesn't god doesn't demand perfection he demands progress Demand progress and so you know that working towards progress we should always be a better man today than we were yesterday um by by disciplining ourselves um you know in our relationships and then the rest of the books are going to talk about in the mind and, and spirit and worship and, and all that stuff so i'll I'll get there, but yeah, that's, that's what God showed me, I guess, last night is, is, you know, as men, we're called to have deep, meaningful relationships mm-hmm. um, with other men because God, because Jesus made that example. For yes, us. exactly. And I was thinking about that the other day, whenever you were you know, sharing that, I was just kind of thinking about like, you know, us two, uh, Eric Yoder's another guy, yep. Brock Higgins, just guys that we, we work with that we have deep relationships with. We can go golfing and and you know experience have experiences with, but then also have those deep conversations with. I think that's super important in, in a man's life to have that. So blessed with you three guys. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, you mentioned my famous quote. I actually heard a different way that put the other day. Not it's the same same thing, but just in different words. As listening to the for the gospel. Uh, podcast by Costi Hinn actually got tweeted by Costi Hinn. Not that's a big deal or whatever, but yeah. Um, He, in there, there was a guy named Reagan and he said that the Christian life is about direction, not perfection. And what he means by that is which way are you going? Are you growing? Are you falling back? Like which, which direction are you heading in your Christian walk? So I thought that was a good way to put it too. Um, For me, I've, I'm in the middle of two books right now, waiting for you to get done with that book. So then I can start that one. But I'm in the middle of two books right now. One is called Slave by John MacArthur. And uh, in that book, he's basically talking about the difference between us being servants of God and slaves of God. And uh, and being a slave to Christ, we, he, you know, he saved us from our sin. We were slaves to sin. He bought us with a price, which was his son's life. And because of that, now we're slaves to him. And we do his work 
regardless if we want to or not, we're called to do that. And we have to do that. We're his slaves. And he talks about how the Bible doesn't use the term slave a lot because in Western culture it has kind of that negative connotation to it. But um, in the word, when you truly translate it, it translates doulos, which was slave back then. And the Greco uh, Roman slave was different than the slave that you would think about um, in Western culture, the ones that started, you know, the civil war, all that stuff. But what he's talking about is slaves were bought with a price and their master took care of them. Their master provided food for them. And, and, and then the slaves, their whole life was dedicated to serving the master and pleasing the master in however way possible. So it, I, I'm three chapters into that book. And it's just, it's really good to hear that. It's kind of changed my perspective on life. It's not, I'm not God's associate where we're working hand in hand to accomplish his task. Um, Cause in that there's like, well, God can do that. I don't have to do that. No, but looking at it as I'm God's slave. He is my master. Then I, I, I have to do these things because that's, that's just who I am. And it drives me to want to please the master with whatever I possibly can do. So it's a good book to read. I'm, I'm like I said, three chapters in that. And then I actually started another one. Oh, two days ago um, called chosen by God by RC Sproul. And it's just a book on the doctrine of election and um, diving deep into that. And uh, RC goes through there and talks about predestination. Um, I think I've, I've read one chapter of that, but in that he, he, uh, he just talks about how, you know, that doctrine, I know it's what I believe. I know that you're kind of on the fence, but you know, you're gradually leaning towards the other way, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I, well, I'm just, you're getting there. I'm, well, I don't know. Is, it, is <laughs> that the end point? No, it's the finish line? Like... <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's one thing he, he puts in here. Like, you know, it, it, it's a, it's an important, it's a, an important doctrine, but it's not necessarily a necessary doctrine that we have to believe in. Um, but he just talks about how in there, um, it's just the Bible is covered with it. It's a question that a lot of people get uncomfortable with when asking about it. Um, it's kind of actually uh, pushed me. I'm actually putting a paper together now on the doctrine of election and, uh, you know, just putting different points in there, uh, different articles that I pull out, different scriptures that I pull out and creating a document that I can have to give to people that have questions on the doctrine of election. Because um, either people are what RC says in here, people are scared of it because it's, it, it's completely contradictory than what, to what we would think. Mm-hmm. Um, they're confused by it. Uh, so a lot of times they just don't even want to talk about it and they'll push it away. But I think it's an important doctrine for us to look at. So Chosen by God, if you want to do that, it's, a, it's an excellent book by R.C. that he goes through there. Like I said, I'm just a chapter in, but it, it's really good because he talks about in here, you know, some of Reformed pastors that we know over history, Sinclair Ferguson, Michael Horton, John MacArthur, John Piper, Francis Schaefer. I mean, those are those are some really good names. But then all, on all the Puritans. Yeah, all the Puritans. Yeah. I mean, all those guys. And then, you know, that's not even that's not even counting guys like Augustine, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Aquinas, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards. You know, what I mean, like these those guys. I mean, you think about that all the time. They're they're phenomenal. But on the other side, uh, <laughs> you know, C.S. Lewis, Roger Olson, Grant Osborne, Claire Pinnock, Billy Graham. Those guys would be on the opposing view of reform, but it's like, uh, and then he says, I don't know where Chuck Swindoll stands and stuff like that, you know? So RC throws that in there to say, these men are great men of the faith and they're opposing this view, but that doesn't mean they're not saved. They're not Christians. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's important. That was a good thing to me that stuck out in that chapter was reading that 
And I know that A.W. Tolzer is another guy that was uh, Armenian. And, uh, you know, it, it's just interesting. I don't want people to get hung up on it, but it is a good – I think it's a, cool, it's a cool thing to study. Just make sure it doesn't waver your faith. It, it's a good topic to study, but at the end of the day, I'm going to heaven if I'm saved. Through Christ. Through Christ, whether I'm an Armenian or – Whether I chose him or he chose me. It, it, if, if I'm truly saved and I – and like we've talked about – and I show the fruits that that John talks about in First John. Yeah, I'm going to heaven, and I guess I can find out there. Yes, you know? and, and, yes. And so, but I think a lot of people do get hung up on, you know, what am I really saved? Or if it comes up, it becomes a very, it can be a very de- divisive. Man, it's so divisive because mm-hmm. you get a lot of, you get a lot of Calvinists. Well, you've seen Calvinist hyper Calvinists before. You get a lot of Calvinists that have this strong opinion, mm-hmm. and then if. You know, like they come to it as if you don't believe this, like, come on, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, And and so it turns a lot of people off. Back back to your slave. One thing I I thought about was um, I just got done with my, the book over the disciples. What was that called? The 12 Ordinary Men? The 12 Ordinary Men. Yeah. I think MacArthur wrote it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and one of the chapters, probably the biggest chapter, talk about Peter, obviously. And after Jesus, well, shoot, I'm blanking. He, he he gives a teaching and a bunch of people leave. They don't like what he teaches. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget which one it was. Anyway, uh, Jesus asked the 12 disciples, like, hey, are you guys going to follow them? Mm-hmm. And Peter obviously pipes up and goes, to who would we go? Yeah, where would we go? Wh- 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 where would we go? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you have that slave mentality that, that Peter did, like, even though you're my, because you're my master, yeah. if you chose to let me go, where would I go? Well, and that's one point that John MacArthur brings out in his books. He talks about the slaves. The slaves were in better, they were in better position than what the freed people were mm-hmm. because the slaves, they had a, they had food on their plate every single night. They had a place to live every single night. The master took care of them. And those that were quote unquote free, they had to worry about where they were going to get food. Um, could they get a job? Did they have a house to live in? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like in thinking in those kind of terms, if Peter and the disciples would leave, where would we go? To, to you who, would start over. To whom would we go? Yeah, you would start over, and you'd have nothing to mm-hmm. to place your hope in. Ooh, hope could transition. All right. <laughs> so today uh, we got about fifteen minutes. Oh boy. I know. So uh, we spent half the time on that. We need to get our new new uh, sounds. We, we are. We are. Uh, we are getting some new mixer equipment in. We got our new mics in. Uh, we got a new logo. We're legit. We're going to maybe have t-shirts. New in the, studio. New studio. Undisclosed location. <laughs> uh, we're going to have some special guests on. I do want to spend some time talking about that, though, because we, me and Nate have been kind of talking about this podcast and wanting to expand it a little bit more to um, not just a Providence crowd, but to outside that, um, get, involved, get involved some different pastors from other churches, some different people in the community that are doing a lot of different things. We've got some topics that we're going to discuss. We're kind of going to transition away from um, covering the sermon that was done at Providence the past Sunday. There may be times where we do, but for the most part, we're going to be looking at different topics, and uh, I think we're going to do per month. So I know in the month of January, we're looking at maybe doing a service month uh, type of podcast where we're going to be talking about why we serve, how we serve, um, different opportunities to serve, bringing on some people in, in our podcast that uh, can provide opportunities for people to serve. So, yeah, yeah so we're looking at that. We, we, we're, we're newly branded thanks to Emmy Screen Printing. Uh, Michael McNabb set us up with a new po- podcast logo. Um, you know, maybe possibly 
uh, a bookkeeping company sponsoring some shirts. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you need bookkeeping done, RachelRaverBookkeeping.com. <laughs> no, if we're going to do advertising, she's got to buy shirts. That's how she's got to buy shirts. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I'll, I'll, I'll talk to her. <laughs> Rachel Raver Bookkeeping on Facebook. I'll talk to her. <laughs> free broadcast for free advertising here. This is this is insane. Usually you have to pay for this. Well, that's all right. I mean, I'll, I'll probably pay for being home late this morning. So, <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so just look ahead for that in the next coming uh, – probably – hopefully we can get our mixer in here by next week, but if not, uh, farther. But then in January, we are going to be looking at that. So for all of our faithful five listeners out there, we're hoping to grow, expand, and get some more people in. Well, so. one of the reasons we, we did this is because we – I mean, I know of a well, – not, not many, but a few people outside of Providence that, that regularly yes. listen. And so, you know, being able to 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 not just, like you said – cater to a Providence crowd, but we're, we're looking to make this kind of a, a community podcast yes, where yes. we can, we can bring pastors in from all over the County community um, to, to just try to be a, a bigger ministry and, and to get more people involved and to like with our service month, you know, maybe open some doors for opportunity for people yeah. to have some opportunities to serve if, if that's what they want. Absolutely. And like I said, we're, 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 we've been praying about this and we're hoping that God, you know, takes it, takes it where he wants, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that, if that means, you know, we'll continue to just have five listeners and that's five listeners that we got, you know, if we get one listener, that, this, that makes it all the worthwhile. And uh, you know, that's why me and Nate, we have, we have a passion about doing this. This is one thing that we both look forward to doing every every single week doing our podcast and just getting together. And if nothing else, we've said it before, but this is just good for us. Yeah. I don't sit I mean, and talk. We could just turn the mic off. <laughs> yeah. We could just sit and talk. So you guys are just kind of getting the insight on just our relationship and just uh, what we normally talk about too, unless the boilers and Hoosiers are playing, then we may talk about them for a little bit, but neither, well, we'll neither a, of them are, we'll neither of them are worth talking about this yeah. year. <laughs> We'll have unlimited time, so we yeah. can just get some long, just drawn out. Long, podcasts. drawn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what we talked about doing for the rest of the month of December, we got three weeks left before uh, January hits, is talking about Advent. And uh, in Advent, there are uh, several different topics that you talk about in Advent. Uh, you have hope, uh, preparation, joy, and love. And today we're going to hopefully talk to you guys about hope and um, talk about hope and uh, preparation. So first off, Nate, talking about hope, talking about hope, um, just put you on the spot. Well, when you hear the word hope, what what comes to what comes to mind? Oh, geez, um, I don't know. Uh, I think I think a lot of people think of the word hope as as a wishful. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope the. Boilers win, yeah. you know, but they probably won't. I hope we win our game at North Davis this afternoon, mm-hmm. like that type of hope. But like a we wishful don't, thinking. We don't really have any control over that, right? Yeah. I, unless I, unless I put a uniform on for the for Purdue, which wow, you think that would actually help would their help. chances? No. Whoa, <laughs> I mean, I, I could I could have a couple turnovers for, but, <laughs> but I, I can't really. I mean, there's nothing I can yes, do, yes. right? There's there's absolutely nothing I can do mm-hmm. for them to win. Yeah, uh, but the biblical sense of hope, you know, is this, this expectation that yes. something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we do, and we know there is someone that has control yes. over, over that hope. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we, we talked about sovereignty before. And so God is sovereign over that. And so when we're talking about hope of Advent, this was the hope of the Israelites mm-hmm. with the promising of the Messiah and Isaiah, especially. Um, so kind of this, the, um, 
the scripture for Say, do you want to read that? Yeah, I'll read that. The scripture for this, I guess, Advent Sunday or Advent mm-hmm. week uh, is Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. So it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And so that's verse 2. And, and so Isaiah is obviously, he's he's talking about, you know, the, the Israelites are in captivity at the, at the mm-hmm. time. They've been overthrown by the Syrians and the Babylonians and everybody else in, in the Middle East. But there is a hope, mm-hmm. right? And so they, the the people that, that he's writing to can have this hope of, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so this hope now, this shining light, is going to be a child, mm-hmm. Isaiah says. And I was reading through this commentary, and and it's interesting that it's a, that Isaiah wrote for us: a child is born, a son is given. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anytime anytime the Bible repeats itself, yeah, it's pretty important. Mm-hmm. And so the commentary was was talking about, you know, if Isaiah could have just said or would have just said, "For unto us a child is coming." Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. There, I mean, there's a great baby going to be born, but to at the line, a son is given. Yeah, this this infers or, or implies that this is going to be the second person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. The son is going to be given as a child uh, for us and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of peace. So people in uh, the Israelites in, in, in Isaiah's time that he's writing here, they have this expectation, this hope that someday a Messiah will come. Mm-hmm. Someday a child is going to be born. Someday God is going to, uh, going to send his son Jesus to to earth for salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and so we Christians, we believe that that would happen when Jesus came 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Jews are still waiting on the Messiah. Um, and, and kind of the reason this is, is, is that verse or that that sentence in verse six and the government will be on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so Jews believe that that, Messiah is going to come and restore Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a better, obviously, I think a better explanation of that is, is that the government is not a, it's not a earthly government. It's the, it's the heaven on earth. Yes. Um, type of, of, tra- of translation or type of, of reading. And so mm-hmm. the Israelites had this hope. Um, and as Christians, we know this hope came and now we have the hope and the expectation that he's going to come back. Yeah, and that's the thing that's interesting to look at whenever we talk about hope. It's interesting for us to, to like you said, I think we look at it in human terms of because we use the word hope a lot, and we use it in a wishful thinking type of way. Well, like you said, back then when the Israelites and the, and the people of the Old Testament, you know, the prophets, they, they, they talked about this coming Messiah all the time. And when they talked about this coming Messiah, the people that bought into this, this prophecy that was given to them, this wasn't a... Oh, well, I, I, I hope that he's coming. I hope that he's coming. But this is a we know that he's coming. We know that he's coming and we can put our faith and trust in knowing that he's coming And all of these. I mean, you look at the entire Old Testament. We've talked about this many times before, but the entire Old Testament is set up with the understanding and pointing towards Christ all the time. The, you, the sacrificial system points toward Christ. Um, you know, the, the Isaiah talks about the temple, the temple, the temple talks about Christ. Isaiah prophesies about it. Daniel prophesies about, it. I mean, you see all sorts of things 
pointing towards Christ in every aspect of the Old Testament. And these people back then, it, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a wishful type of thinking, but it was an expectation of a time to come whenever the Messiah would come. And like you said, this overthrow government and the government shall be in his shoulders and all these different things. They may have had a misinterpretation on what that meant necessarily. And we talked about that with our, with the disciples. Yeah. I was going to say, we, we know with Peter, yes, you know, he still thought mm-hmm. at the garden of Gethsemane, he still thought, okay, what, when, this is when, the time to fight. When Judas is, brings, yeah. you know, a dispatchment of uh, Roman uh, soldiers, the, the book I just got done reading, it said it could be 400 to 600 soldiers. Wow, yeah. And so they brought a herd. I yeah. mean, it wasn't like three guys in Judas here to put handcuffs on Jesus. Like, even the Romans, because of what the Jews were telling him, yeah. telling them, thought that this well, was the battle. You're not bringing 400 or 600 people if you didn't think that this was going to be the fight for control. If you if you just you know, if you're just going to go arrest a a lunatic or this yeah. crazy man, there's no reason to bring that many. Why bring that many? Yeah. But the Romans that tells us the Romans actually thought this dude might be this Jewish Messiah that's going to overthrow them. Yeah. And, and we talk about it. And even before that, whenever Christ comes riding in on the donkey and people are laying palm branches down, we talk Palm Sunday, they were laying those palm branches down with the understanding that Christ was the Messiah, but maybe not necessarily a Messiah of which they thought there may have been some, there may have been some, don't get me wrong. There may have been some that actually truly believed what he was saying and his kingdom and really got it. But for the most part, you see those people laying those palm branches down thinking, this is triumph. We are going to end the rule that Rome has over us, and we are going to abolish this, and we're going to take back our rightful place as as control. You right. know what I'm saying? If you put yourself in the in the shoes of a Jewish person around the time of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? they had been, since the time they left Egypt in 1300 BC-ish, got to the Promised Land, they had been taken over for the last— 1,000 yeah, years. Right? Yeah, they, they always lost. They had been taken over by the Syrians, mm-hmm. the Babylonians, the Cal. I mean, everybody yeah. had taken them over. And so if you're reading the, the the Old Testament at that time, if you're reading the scriptures and you're reading Isaiah and you're reading Daniel and you're reading Jeremiah, mm-hmm. talking about this coming Messiah, the government's on his shoulders. You're thinking, yes, finally, yeah. we're getting rid of the Romans. We're getting rid of these cap- these people that are overtaking us. Finally, yeah. Israel is going to God is going to keep His promise to Israel and and make Israel strong. Because Christ was fitting all this criteria of which they what they were saying, and the and the Jews. That's one thing people need to understand is the Jews knew their Old Testament. They knew the prophecies, and when you are and when you're expecting a Messiah to come, they're not taking the Old Testament prophecies lightly. I mean, they knew that through and through so that they could see when it was time to come. And could you imagine this long awaited period? From the Old Testament to the New Testament, not even to talk about the 400 years of silence that were in there, you know, added to the Old Testament to the New Testament. I mean, here they are. They see the end in sight, but it's not really what they thought. And and like you said, he fit all the criteria. He was from the right family. Mm-hmm. He, he went through. It talked about him. Born of a virgin. Born of a virgin. Everything fit. Yeah. Right. And, and so if he was born from the, the tribe of of I don't know, Levi. Yeah. Nobody would have cared about it. No. Right. Because and that's why that you see the lineage that's laid out and in that's the why scriptures. It's important. It's right? important. And, and if he, so if he's, if he's born of a different tribe, a different family, the Roman 
Pharisees, the Sadducees, they wouldn't have cared about him because mm-hmm. he didn't fit the criteria. Exactly. But because he fit the criteria, now he's a threat. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you had to think. They, I mean, you got to imagine those people because because even the even the Romans knew that stuff. I yep. mean, they knew that they knew the the Old Testament prophecy. So they're sitting there, and like you said, oh boy. This guy's fitting everything that they talked about. And it's not like these prophets in Jeremiah and Daniel and Isaiah. It's not like those guys were wrong a lot of times. I mean, they were dead on. I mean, we just read in Daniel about, you know, King Cyrus. I mean, that was 200 years before King Cyrus had actually been coming into power. And Daniel predicted that was going to happen. And they weren't vague about it either. They weren't saying this person's coming sometime. He might be this. He might be that. I mean, it was down to the exact detail. Mm -hmm. And so if you're if you are a Pharisee, if you're. If you're Saul, yeah, and he, you're he's meeting every criteria except he's not overthrowing Rome, yeah. Then this guy has to be a false prophet, exactly. And that's the thing I think that comes into place is you see all those people laying down the branches of Palm Sunday, and then they see that. It, you, then you have what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see that they have overtaken him and overthrown him, and now he's getting killed on a cross. Of course, you'd be ticked. Mm-hmm. So all those people laying branches down are now the ones scoffing, mocking, spitting, all of those things as he's being led down. Because of course, there was anger there because you 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 gave us false hope. Yeah. If you're truly the Messiah, yeah. you don't you don't get overtaken. No. And so no. you're exactly right. They there was a heightened sense of this Messiah coming, and that's why you know with with John the Baptist, people are starting to follow him. And, you know, they asked him, like, are you the guy? He's like, no, no, I'm just here to prepare the way. Yeah. That's the guy over there. Go follow him. Yeah. And so you've got a lot of dominoes falling until the end where he gets arrested. He gets whipped. And then, like you said, these people laying down the palm branches now see this guy hanging on the tree. Okay, this is not the right guy. Mm -hmm. He still is not here. And so, you, of course, you'd be mad. You'd be upset. This guy lied to you. He's he's false. He, he's not the guy that the Old Testament promised mm-hmm. because this guy was gonna was gonna restore Israel. Yeah, and here we see that he hasn't he hasn't restored it. So obviously their hope was more of a it was an expectation of a Messiah to come, but their hope was more worldly Absolutely. than their hope was more eternal. Absolutely. And I think that's what we can learn from this is now talking about hope in the present day age. Where where can we place our hope in because where they placed it in a messiah which was the right person to place their hope in but they had a wrong persona of christ they they looked at christ as putting the hope in taking care of what they were going to do here on earth but it was farther than that so as we talk about hope today i think it's important for us that we can learn from the the early jews in placing their hope on a messiah that could take care of their physical earthly needs instead of looking at that hope in an eternal perspective. And I think this is where we kind of come into, and we've hit on this several times before, you can see people looking at Christ as the Messiah in similar ways that the peop- the, the early Jewish people thought as well. Because like we said before, the Jews thought that Christ was going to come, he was going to overthrow Rome, and they were going to go back up on top. They were going to be, they were going to ascend to the top and be in charge. So they're looking more earthly perspective. But today we have churches, preachers, Christians out there that place their hope in Christ with the understanding that he's going to bless them earthly wise and, you know, give them health, wealth and prosperity. He's going to take away all their sickness. He's going to do all of these things here on earth. And now, Nate, 
we see misguided hope today in the church, just not maybe not in the same sense as what the Jews did, but in a way kind of similar. I just now thought of this. But. Yeah, I've never really thought about that, but I think you're exactly right. The Jews were expecting to have obviously a better life. Yes. Than the Messiah. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if the Messiah overthrows Rome and now Israel gets to control itself. And he's king of the Jews. And he's king it's of the Jews. Chosen, chosen people. Uh, obviously, they're going to have a better life because they don't have to pay taxes to the Romans. They don't have mm-hmm. to do everything the Romans tell them to do. Yeah. But yeah, we look at, I mean, some people look at Jesus as this kind of magical genie we've talked yeah. about before um, and and take take what he has has done for us, take the take the the punishment away for our sins and turn him into, you know, like you said, health, wealth, prosperity, live my best life now. Yeah. I'm called Jesus is going to is going to fix my worldly problems. Yeah. I'm going to make my life on earth better. I'm going to live my best life now. Even take away your bald spots. Even grow. Hair grow. Even even you know bless my banking account because yeah. because because I gave because I have planted a seed. Yeah. And and is it Copeland that says the the storehouses in heaven can't be accessed or should be accessed now? Well, he says store up treasures in heaven. He doesn't say that you can't go cash those out. You can't deposit from it's it. So bad. It's so bad. But that's what I'm saying. Though you have people that are following these this this type of uh, health, wealth, prosperity gospel that look at Christ in the same way that these Jewish people did. And the thing is, though, Nate, whenever you look at this, so these Jews expected Christ to be this, and when He wasn't that for them, what did they do? They turned and became angry and lost their hope. Their hope was no longer going to be placed in that. And I think that's what we see in the prosperity gospel is you see people, you see people place their hope in Christ to keep their family healthy, to keep their bank accounts filled, to keep their everything on earth, to make it just, you know, roses and rainbows and all that stuff. And when it doesn't happen, instantly you turn and now you're not going to place your hope in that anymore because it wasn't what you thought he was going to be. And that's exactly what the Jews did. Exactly. Right. And, and so a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people in the prosperity gospel movement, if if God doesn't doesn't make me rich, doesn't make me ha- happy, it doesn't make me healthy, one of two things. Either he's not God or I don't have enough faith. And that's yes, that's even well, that's, that's worse. But that's still debilitating for somebody mm-hmm. to think that God is is punishing me because I don't have enough faith. How do you how do I get more faith? And, and so, man, the Jews and the prosperity gospel are a lot more alike than I ever thought they were. Yeah. And if you think about this, Christ never once tried to insinuate that this was who he was. I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind is you reading Christ. He talks about suffer for my sake, take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself. I mean, he he talks about all of this stuff. And yet they looked at the Messiah. They had their own picture of who God was and who the Messiah was going to be. And that picture benefited them more than anything. And they looked at that and they placed their hope selfishly in a God to help them. And that's the thing that's interesting is we can we can have this selfish hope. That, well, if I follow Jesus, then everything's going to be okay. We can even get to the point, Nate, where we can say, if I follow Jesus, then I get heaven. Is that a wrong mindset to, is that a wrong mindset to think? All right, as long as I follow Jesus, I get heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we could place our hope in Jesus just so we attain heaven. Yeah, I I heard a pastor or somebody in a sermon 
just recently say, you know, if, if what's your motive for going to, let's talk about that. What's your motive for going to heaven? Is your motive to go to heaven because it's, it's heaven mm-hmm. or is your motive to go to heaven because of what we're going to do in heaven, which is worship Christ yeah. nonstop for eternity. Yeah. Right. And, and so he asked the question, would you go to heaven if Jesus wasn't there? A lot of people I think would say yes, mm-hmm. but that's the reason we're going to heaven to be with Jesus. Or I just want Jesus so I don't have to go to hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's better than the alternative. Yeah. It's better than the alternative. And I think that that, while that can be necessarily like it can, it, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing because if you look at it in that sense, now you're still looking with a selfish hope in Christ where that hope that you place in Christ is, is that, is that whole thing of, listen, my, I'm placing my hope in Christ so that I may receive eternal life with him. So he conquered death, which is the one thing that we cannot do. I should say the one thing we cannot do, but it's there's several things we can't do. But it's it's the main problem. I mean, our sin is our problem. We're slaves to our sin, and the only way that we can be saved from that sin is by Christ dying on the cross for us. So we place our hope in that, so that we can be delivered from the bondage of our sin, and that we can serve Christ in that slave mentality. That we can be all that He wants us to be, and we can live our lives with the whole perspective of pleasing the master instead of pleasing ourselves. And I think that that when we place our hope and we have true biblical hope, it's an expectation that Christ is going to be enough, Mm -hmm. that Christ is enough for us. But when our hope is misguided, when our hope is misguided, Christ will never be enough because we want Christ plus all of these things. And when we see that all of these things aren't going to fall in line, then I think that we can fall into the very same place that these Jews fell into, where Christ, you're really not all that you were made out to be. They wanted the Messiah plus yeah. overthrowing the Romans, plus yeah. making my life easier. Mm-hmm. And, and and the thing that's sad yeah. is, is just like we have people in church today, you have the same people in the Jews. So the Jews took everything that Christ said, and they were. it's like they never fully grasp it. Even the disciples never fully grasped what he was saying because all they did was sit and hear all these things and they still had that selfish mentality of they, they, he's he's still going to be the guy that when, when when's the fight starting? They filtered it through the mindset that this this guy's still going to overthrow the Romans. Yes. And so that's why we see um, is it not Thomas? Which one was it? One of the disciples asked Bartholomew maybe? When Jesus was saying, "I'm going to a, I'm going to a different place, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna prepare the way for you," and one of them asked, "Well, how do we know where you're going? Like, mm-hmm. how do we know how to mm-hmm. get there?" Mm-hmm. And and so they're still thinking, like, "Yeah, this guy's this guy's creating a a new new kingdom uh, kingdom on earth, mm-hmm. right?" And so he's just gonna be in the palace down the road, so we know how to get to him. Right? Yeah. They still didn't understand. Yeah, this idea, and you know, like we talked with Peter, he still didn't understand that he was not going to overthrow. Yeah, right. And so that's why he's carrying a sword. Yeah, in the Garden of Gethsemane, because he's he's still thinking the fight's going to happen. And I think that there, and the thing is, the thing that they they didn't understand, and the thing that I don't know if we ever understand yet is there is coming a time where Christ will overthrow every government, and Christ will rule, and it's in His return. And that's, and I think that's where. Uh, well, I know that's where the 
if you're a Jew today, you don't believe that the Messiah has yes. come because of this. Um, Unless you're a Messianic Jew. Which, that doesn't make any sense. because like <laughs> I don't either. But Messianic Jews would still believe that know, Christ but, was the Messiah. And, and, and that's what they said. That's what they claim. That's what they claim. How can, I guess, but how can you be Messianic, Messianic Jew if Christ said he came and, and to fulfill the law? And you still do the law. And still I know. You're, you do kosher and you Anyway, <laughs> verse seven. We could dig into all sorts of religions and why sense. they do these things. I know, sense. I know. Verse seven of, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, mm-hmm. right? And so, this is where Christians point to um, the the new millennium when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. This is the type of government that Isaiah was talking about. This new government of a heaven on earth mm-hmm. when Jesus comes back, a heaven on earth. Um, and so, yes, there will be a time. Where he will have a new government at the at the return, the second return, the second coming of Christ. Um, it just seems I don't know. It just seems so obvious to 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 read these Old Testament scriptures mm-hmm. and to see like, especially in Genesis, you know, he's gonna he's gonna step on the on the head of the serpent, but the serpent will strike back and, and bite his heel. Mm-hmm. Like he he conquered sin. Yeah. He conquered death, but he still had to die. Yeah. Before he could conquer death, it just Everything seems to add up, and it just—I just—I—I need to—I guess I need to do some more research into why Jews, yeah, still why don't still. But maybe that'll be my next, my next look at the Jewish faith. My next adventure, but it just doesn't. We kind of dug into Islam, but maybe it's time to dig a little bit into because you know, you know, Jews, you know, a lot of a lot of Christians, you know, because of the Old Testament, we God promises to to bless those who bless Israel. And so that's why a lot of Christians mm-hmm. support Israel. Um, but again, if, if we, if we truly believe that the Bible is true and the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and again, this goes back to, it doesn't really make sense. Why would God's chosen people not be able to get to heaven? But there's a lot more, but they will. <laughs> That's it. That's the thing. It's, it's the thing. side note. That's one thing that RC brings out in, yeah. you know, chosen by God. That's God's nature. He's chose people before he yeah. chose the nation of Israel. Israel. Why? They didn't do anything. No. They didn't do anything great. Why did he choose them for it? They Abraham didn't do anything. Was, Abraham was living in Mesopotamia and he said, hey, go move to the desert. Yeah. Like, why? Why? But he chose those people for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. That's, that's some things that we, we will understand someday. Hopefully, um, I want to read Romans 13. Um, getting a call here from Alex Nepp. Um, you want to read Romans 13, 11 to 14, and just kind of talk about that. Okay, answer this call real quick. Uh, verse 11 Besides you, besides this, you know, this, you know, the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh flesh to gratify its desires. So we're talking about, we're going to move a little bit more or into kind of the preparation aspect of <coughs> Advent. Um so we talk about the hope, and so now, how do we prepare um, for this advent? How do we how do we prepare for this coming Messiah? And so, in in the Old Testament, like we talked about, there's a lot of prophecies about 
preparing for this Messiah, preparing for this coming king. Uh, and so the prophecies about, like I said, the man who crushed Satan, the virgin birth, Isaiah talks about the identity of the child, the majesty, where he's going to be born, um, prophecy about John the Baptist, and then eventually Jesus comes and that prophecy is fulfilled. So how do we prepare mm-hmm. our hearts for this coming Messiah, right? How do we mm-hmm. prepare um, for this Christmas season mm-hmm. of this coming baby? Uh, and I think one of the the best applications during this, this Christmas season is to understand that that God's hand has been on mm. on this year. I, I mean, I guess we can talk about 2020 on this year. The sovereignty of God has been on this year. The sovereignty of God has chosen this child 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the sovereignty of God is going to work all things to his will. Exactly. So how do we prepare, especially in this year? You know, as we kind of wind down this year, how do we prepare as an in expectation of Jesus coming is, yes, 2020 was not the best year mm-hmm. for a lot of people, but God meant that for good. Mm-hmm. And so this this child is coming. We're going to renew our minds. We're going to renew our spirit uh, for this child to come 2000 years ago and then for him to come and return. Yeah. And I think that that's important for us to realize. And I know Kevin and Eric are planning on doing I think a sermon, I hope, don't quote me on this, but I think Kevin's doing a sermon before uh, he heads out in January, and it's kind of more of a looking back on 2020. And then Eric's going to do one after New Year's, and it's looking ahead to 2021. Um, and I think the biggest thing in, in preparing for this is understanding that God is sovereign. I mean, if we look at all the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament, the fruition of those prophecies in the Gospels, and how that was carried forth, that prophecy was carried forth, and that ministry was carried forth throughout the rest of the uh, New Testament, we can prepare ourselves to understand that God is sovereign and that God has a purpose for everything that happens in our lives. And how can we prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ is to rest in that sovereignty. And when we rest in that sovereignty, we can we can prepare our hearts for anything that's going to come into our into our lives. Whether it's a good year, it's a bad year, it's a good season, a bad season, a good situation, a bad situation. Preparing our hearts to understand that, hey, 2,000 years ago, this baby was born. And this baby was born and given to us so that we could rest in him in knowing that there is coming a time where he is going to come back and he is going to bring all things back to himself and he's going to rule and he's going to reign and he's going to be bringing us right along with him. And I think that's, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 13. The, the, the night is gone. The day has come. Salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. Mm-hmm. And so we've got this expectation, this hope that he's going to come again. And so, you know, Paul tells us to, to let us cast off the works of darkness and put on armor of light. And then he goes through a list of sins here that, that we need to watch out for because we've got this expectation, because we're preparing for Jesus to come again. Yes. You know, Paul, Paul's, all of Paul's letters, but he believed that Jesus probably is going to come back in Paul's lifetime. Yeah, like, yeah. We have to be ready. Yeah. And so now it's 2000 years ago or 2000 years later. And so, you know, are we still asleep? Verse, verse 11, mm-hmm. you know, the hours come for you wake up from your sleep. Are, are we still asleep? Are we do we still have the mindset that preparing for, hey, he's coming again? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that should drive us each and every day is preparing our hearts 
for that moment where he is going to return. And I think as we do that, we're going to find ourselves gradually moving towards, gradually moving towards that readiness mm-hmm. of when Christ's Christ's return is going to happen. I hope that it doesn't catch Christians off guard. It shouldn't. It shouldn't because we know it's coming in each waking day. We should live our lives as if the return of Christ is going to happen any minute. And we need to make sure that our life is ready and our, and, and other people know about this. And it's like, we have, you know, it's it, the old Testament people, the old Testament prophets, they could have kept quiet about this stuff. But they didn't. They prophesied over it and said, listen, a Messiah is coming to prepare those for that coming of the Messiah. Now, was everybody ready for that coming Messiah? No, they weren't because they weren't preparing themselves. But now we have seen the Messiah come. He has prophesied of his return. And now we can use that prophecy to let it drive us in evangelism in the way that we carry it forth in our lives, the way that we love our wives, the way that we way that we parent our children, the way that we have relationships with other people, the way that we uh, s- commit sins. You know what I'm saying? Everything that we do, we can do in the expectation of Christ returning at any moment. So that, that you know, in that Advent, in the Advent season, we're preparing our hearts because we know that that child is going to be born. Yes. We're preparing for the, the wonderful blessing of Jesus coming. That should be, like I said, that should be the same feeling, the same motive. We're preparing for the second coming. Yes. We're preparing ourselves. Yes. Uh, you know, in the Christmas time, a lot of people take time to reflect about the, you know, the past year, reflect on some some things, good things of the year, mm-hmm. that, you know, some things they're struggling with. We make New Year's resolutions to try to improve uh, our improve lives. Our li- that should be that should be every day, every right? Day because for us as Christians, yeah. We're 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 trying to you know, it's not perfection, it's progress. We're trying to progress yeah. closer and closer to, to look like Christ. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, what we talk about in in First uh, John, if we're abiding in Christ, if that's our our Father, we should look more and more and more like Him. Absolutely. Well, we're about getting time to wrap up here, but I think it's important for us to just kind of recap. Hope, place our hope in the one who can save us from our sin and understand that that hope that we place our our lives in there's no other there's no other thing to hope in and it's not a wishful hope it's an expectation it's an expecting that god is going to come and bless our lives he's going to save us from our sins and that is going to drive us for the rest of our life and then in that hope that we have now we begin preparing in that hope for that with that hope that we have that preparation of of looking at our lives looking at the people around us looking at our families how are we leading people to christ how are we sharing that good news Because like you said, we're in the same position that those people were in over 2,000 years ago to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. We are preparing now for the return of our Savior. And what are we doing in order to get ready for that in our lives and others? We're preparing ourselves, but more importantly, we should be preparing others. Exactly. Showing people that news. So thank you guys for joining us today. Next week, we'll be talking uh, more on Advent and we'll be looking at uh, some different stuff. I think next week we talk about um, love. And, uh, we'll be talking about that and no, sorry, joy. We'll be talking about joy, joy and peace. So we'll be talking about that and what, uh, Christ offers us in that peace and joy. So thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you can tune in next week as we dive into more Advent stuff. God bless. And we'll see you next time.